0: everyone, and welcome to episode 5 of Hey Doc, Health Topics for the Modern World, based on questions that you, our patients and listeners, are submitting. Thank you so much for the great response so far. We've had a lot of great submissions. Uh, Go ahead and hit the Instagram handle here below, or send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Any thoughts, questions, maybe current health challenges you're going through, we're passionate about the same things you are, and we've got some great stuff on the docket coming up. Uh, We're going to get to those questions soon. But today we just want to kind of take a step back, look at health from a thirty thousand foot view. I'm your co-host, Dr. Valdez. With me in the studio today is Dr. Bridger Cutler. Hey, hey, hey! Happy to be here. Um, Let's start out just talking. I think the term wellness is new. I don't know when it came to be used as much as it is. We all know what we're talking about when we say wellness, but um, do we really? Like, it's kind of a throwaway term.
1: I think I think everybody is uh, at some point. I know in my undergrad. And, and even in like high school and stuff and like health classes and a lot of those like wellness for life, we talked about where like fitness for life, you talked about wellness and you talked about the different aspects of it, like psychological, mental, spiritual, um, physical, emotional, and all these different things. Like that's what makes up wellness. But I feel like it's become such a broadly used term for so many different things. And people talk, and I mean, so many people use wellness in there like in their company names. Yes. And so I was saying like, oh, we, we carry wellness products. What's a wellness product? Yeah. It's it's part of wellness. It's it's attempting to go after part of wellness. And I think we really need to kind of focus back on what true wellness means as, as it pertains to individual people.
0: Yeah, so that's what we kind of want to dive into today is what's health? What's fitness? What's, what are symptoms? How do those inform what you're doing um, with your family's health? And how do you base decisions on those on those things as well? So let me just comment too. Look at the swag Dr. Cutler's got on today. Oh, yeah. This is, uh, so we got
1: the form up on the uh, form com. We got a bunch of swag up there. So here's what the back looks like.
0: Isn't that slick? Look I at know, that. Right?
1: It makes your arms look really big, which is, which is great.
0: Yes, I especially mean, if they are like big. That. That's helpful. No. <laughs> <So, laughs> nah. All right. So cool. I guess the big question would be, hey, Doc, how can I tell if I'm healthy? How do I know I'm doing okay? So that's what we're going to kind of dive into today. Talk about a couple different ways that people gauge their health and uh, whether or not these things are evidence-based or research-driven. Or if maybe we should dive a little bit deeper or ask a little bit bigger question so that we know if we're healthy or not. So there's a really interesting definition out there, um, and I've am i got it here at the bottom of the screen. But I want you to pay attention to the part that says not merely the absence of disease. And so he mentioned all the different holistic parts of health. Now, holistic is a word that means that we're looking at the whole picture, holistic. Um, so the social, mental, emotional you know all those different factors definitely play into this but i think a lot of people think when i when i'm sick i'm not healthy which i guess is kind of true but your body can be healthy go through sickness or and adapt well we can be well. Yeah. 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 If we if we have to be careful with those terminologies, because you can be a very adaptable person with a robust immune system. And occasionally you just need to update that immune system. And sometimes that requires us getting sick. And when I say getting sick, we're expressing symptoms. Those are signs that something's going on in our body. That's changing how we are relating to our environment. If we come in contact with a germ, not all the time do we get sick. You know, if, if there's was 100 people in this room and we released, a, you know, a flu virus into the air, how many of those people would actually get sick? It's probably the ones that follow specific habits and routines and their bodies are primed to recognize and respond to the flu virus. A big part of that is our nervous system and how well that's connecting and talking to the immune system. A lot of that is our nutrition, our fitness routine. How well rested are we? How what's our sleep like? What's our adaptability? How much can our body respond to those types of threats? So
1: no, absolutely. I mean, I think focusing on and, and understanding that there's there's chronic, there's chronic sickness and there's there's acute sickness. Yeah. And that a lot of times when we're having that that kind of update to our, our immune system, it's gonna be an acute thing. It's gonna last maybe a couple of days, the most. Um if it goes longer than that, like Couple of weeks, then it becomes a chronic thing, and that's something we really need to address. But a lot of times, when we just have these little sicknesses, you have a fever for a day. That's okay. Don't take an aspirin. Your fever is a natural function. That's that's your body expressing and telling you, "Hey, something's going on inside. I'm trying to take care of it."
0: Yeah. And if your body is at 99 degrees, that's where bacteria start to melt. They start to fall apart. The outside layer of their membranes starts to you know melt away. And so your body knows for every degree I can go above 99 degrees, my immune system is going to double because it makes it that much easier for my blood cells, my white blood cells to attack the target. And that's how it expresses symptoms. Now, other things can cause fevers, obviously, but that's a really good indicator that there's something going on there that your body's fighting off an infection. And and that's what it does. That's what it's supposed to do. And so change our relationship with symptoms like that. And we change the outcome of the course of that sickness. Because whatever your body is trying to express, let's say you eat some really bad sushi at lunch and you get some diarrhea or some GI issues or you, you have to vomit. That's your body saying, wow, whatever you just had, we don't like. Let's get rid Not of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we can talk about some of the symptoms that, that you may
1: experience. I mean, things like a headache. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big thing a lot of people have and that they take so many different things. They're immediately like, because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. A lot of times symptoms are uncomfortable. And us being human, we want to get rid of that uncomfort that we want to get back in that comfort zone as quickly as we can. Right. You think about like things, I mean, rashes or hives or things like that. It's a response um you could be allergic to something you ate you could be allergic to something in your environment it's your body telling you hey there's something there that i don't like yeah and a lot of times when it comes to things like eczema when people have chronic eczema it has a lot to do with what you're eating we think about a lot of these bacteria and these these different things that our bodies fight off are fed by sugars and i mean directly fed by the things that we eat so if we can address things in that way in that nutrition aspect As well as allowing our body to function the way it's supposed to with our neurology and things like that then we're going to be able to be adaptable because that's what wellness is it's adaptability and all of those things that i that i mentioned earlier whether it's physical adaptability whether it's mental adaptability whether it's spiritual and emotional adaptability you think about right now we have such a huge epidemic of mental disorders and people struggling with emotional problems because i talked to my parents about this the other night and I said, I told him, I said, when you guys were younger, it was probably a lot f- more physically challenging. But in our day and age, it's a lot more mentally challenging and emotionally challenging because there's so many aspects that are just fading into our lives. I mean, social media to be like the probably the biggest the biggest <laughs> change that we have. Internet, social media, so much more expectation of certain things, and. I think we get so much more information so quickly mm-hmm. that it, it has cr- increased the amount of stress that we have on ourselves psychologically and mentally. And our ability to be adaptable to that directly is influenced by all these other aspects of wellness, nutrition, uh, phys- I mean, physical wellness, which, which comes down to all the different things we've talked about.
0: Yeah. And we've been on a kick lately. Just, um, you know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about inflammation as a factor in Alzheimer's and things like that. And really, an inflammatory response plays a huge role in almost every disease process. Everything that I'm aware of is how your body responds to that. And so like he mentioned with eczema. When you have those little bumps or those little red spots on your skin, you break out in a rash or something, that is evidence that your body's immune system is creating these specialized cells called mast cells, and they're, they're doing what they're supposed to do but for some reason, they're just doing that on your skin. And our first response in so many cases is to reach for some topical steroids, you know, some cream or something to shut down the immune system response on the skin. Now, if we do that, if your body's fighting off a toxin or a, or an invader on your skin, that's trying to get inside your body, and you just shut down the border patrol, basically right there. You're letting all of those things go right into the skin, right in the bloodstream. And now you're going to have the next symptom. It goes a layer deeper and a layer deeper. And there's an old adage that if you listen to your body, when it whispers, you don't have to hear it when it screams. And I'm a huge believer in that. That's a phenomenal statement right there. Let me ask you a question, Dr. Valdez.
1: So like, what are, what are three things that like, if you were to, someone has some some of these symptoms? what are the three things they should look at to really help them get rid of these symptoms? Let's say someone has a rash or something like that, a rash. or just as a, as a broad
0: generalization. Yeah. What are three pieces of advice that you would give them off the top of my head? I would look at the environment first. And if you are in contact with an allergen or uh, you know, maybe it's pet dander for some people, maybe it's a, a detergent in your laundry. Dryer sheets are absolutely toxic. Um, something like that. If you can remove whatever's causing that stress And think about that inflammatory response as kind of a cup that fills up with water. And maybe that's not the thing that made it spill over. Maybe that's not the straw that broke the camel's back. But as many straws as you can take off that camel, or as much of that water as you can drain out of that cup, you're going to get your body back away from that threshold where it freaks out. And so don't be so specific on whether it's the cat, you know, dandruff or it's the dryer sheet. But if you remove one of those things, your body's now not going to freak out and have that inflammatory response. It has enough capacity to deal with one of those toxins or one of those environmental factors. And a lot of times that's enough. And then we can deal with the other one later. But when your body's screaming at you like that, if you can back it away from that, now your threshold resets, and your body sooner or later it's going to tell you, I don't like cat dander." Thank you for getting rid of the dryer sheet, but that was what was causing it. You're gonna you'll you'll hit that point where you figure that out. But in the meantime, you're not gonna deal with that symptom. So I'd look at your, your environment first. Second of all, I'd definitely look at your nutrition because a lot of us are eating things that are destroying our gut lining. We have leaky gut syndrome, and so all the food that's supposed to stay in our intestines is now going into our bloodstream. Those little pieces of Arby's is flying everywhere in your body. And then you start to sweat and your body's like, we've never seen a junior bacon cheeseburger come out of this floor (laughs) before. Like, let's send the troops in. We got to take care of this. And so it starts attacking the sweat there, or, or, you know, you have a, a topical reaction or something because your inflammation levels and your toxicity is so high elsewhere. And if we can repair the gut and really dial in your nutrition, that will help turn so much inflammation down, um, in that area. What, what have I missed? What would you No, I mean, I, th- I think those were, those
1: are two, I was looking for those. I was fishing for answers and, and he nailed it right there. Yeah. I mean, really focusing on the environment things. Easiest thing right there. Look at your environment. What things are you adding? What toxins are you adding into your bio- environment? Because a lot of times these, these symptoms that we get are, are caused by the toxic environment that we've created in our body. And I know with him, when he was losing all this weight, he used to tell me, he's like, honestly, the sweat that I'm producing right now smells so bad or
0: like, it it just, we call it a Herxheimer's reaction. Your body has stored all this toxin in these fat cells and in these really deep apocrine, you know, these sweat glands that have never gotten out and and been used before. And so your body is detoxing and sometimes you feel worse before you feel better, but yeah, that's and a part of it. That's the one of those post. benefits
1: that comes from like something like sauna. And we'll talk about that in a, in a later episode. But like sauna can be really good for getting all that sweat out and get some mm-hmm. of the toxins. But
0: and heavy weakness. metals. That's huge. Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, those two big things right there, you have your environment, your nutrition. What are you eating? Your sleep. I think that's another huge thing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, how are you sleeping? How are you recovering? Is your body constantly freaked out? Because without sleep, your body's never going to be able to repair and a lot of the research that that I've I've looked into lately has gone over, or like advice that I've received from people who are very very important or very informed in different aspects of uh, of health and fitness has been: if you feel like, I mean, because I've always been one of those people that if I feel like garbage, but I haven't worked out that day, I'm still going to work out, even if it means I'm going to get less sleep. That is not what you should do. <laughs> Prioritize <laughs> like, oh, okay. sleep over everything. <laughs> But your sleep should be very first, okay? Make sure you get good sleep because then the next day, your heart rate variability and your your adaptability and your, your metabolism is going to be a little bit higher because your body's going to be rested, able to perform more work. You're going to have a much better workout the next day. You're not going to feel like garbage. And you're going to be able to kind of get back to that baseline again.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's called the seventh habit. You know, the seven habits of highly effective people. Seventh habit is if you have to pick whether you're going to chop down a bunch of trees with a dull saw or you're going to sit down and sharpen that saw, your life is going to be so much easier if you take time to sleep and build up that adaptive reserve, sharpening your saw so that the next day you can go after the inflammation levels, you can go work out, um, do all the things that you need to do a lot more efficiently. That's how our bodies are designed to run. And I'll tell you what,
1: Dr. Valdez is much more of a – in certain aspects of his life, much more of a – He's the guy sharpening his saw. I'm much more of the like, I'm so dull right now. I'm hitting it with the back. I'm hitting it with a handle right now, but I am going to beat that tree to death. I'm going to get it to fall down because just from pure, from, from pure anger, rage, and effort. We, we have to make sure that we are, if you want to get the most out of anything, if you want to have a good life, you want to be well, sharpen your saw. Look at the aspects where you can sharpen your saw. And I think nutrition, environment, sleep. And then we can come to neurology. And that's where we come in as chiropractors is helping you neurologically express yourself,
0: become adaptable and and really trying to maximize neuroplasticity. Yeah. That means allowing your brain to be able to change to the demands that you're putting on your body. So we, when we adjust, we're helping your body recognize and respond to threats in your environment. Um, we are trained to take care of the nervous system. We have multiple ways of analyzing and improving your nervous system function, but that's our our job. And that takes years and years of of training and, and education to do that. So please outsource that to us. Trust us with that. We would love to help you with that. But the things that you can focus on and the picture that you take of your own health at this moment in time is what's going to help you choose what's your next priority. Um, if you have to splurge on something, Vacations are great, but if you're hurting, if you're sick, you cannot enjoy them. Nice houses are great, fast cars, but those all assume that you have health underlying that. If you don't have that, you don't have much. And so if you have to splurge, let's get things dialed in on your diet, on your tests if you need to have them. Take care of yourself first, and everything else will kind of fall into priority there. but I see so many people that have worked so hard at the expense of their health to get what they are financially or socially, and at this point, their body is so stressed that we have to go back to basics i say hey you've got to you've got to cut this out of your diet. you have to change this thing, or they're getting ready to to pay a bunch of money for a surgical procedure or or care that they didn't want to pay for. Because they put other things first. So don't fall into that trap. It's that that idea of like one year now
1: versus 10 years of longevity. Yeah. And I think um, it was one of Dr. Valvez's mentors who talked about how a, a dollar spent on your body is the best dollar you could spend. Yeah. Because you have to think about, you have to live in your body. You have to feel the way you feel every day. So, I mean, when it comes, and how much money do we spend on treats, on snacks, on supplements? I know so many people and I love my family to death, my mom's family to death, but we are, they they are chronic. And and I am, I am totally uh, in this category because I have been for years uh, is give me, give me the next pill that I can take that will fix this. What's a supplement I can take? And it's always something natural, but it's like, am I just throwing money at these different things? And I look at, okay, I spent how much money on all of these different vitamins and supplements and pills and then food. When all I had to do was really just kind of dial that in and I have a bunch of extra stuff that I spent all this money on, but yet I can't go and get, have this, this self-care done or I'm not able to spend money on other things that will really help me. Like, hey, I need to spend some money on something to help me sleep or on a good mattress or on, I mean, things that are going to darken my room so that when it comes time to go to sleep or time to wake up and stuff like that, that I can actually get a good night's sleep or any, anything like that. Yeah, those are or a gym membership. That's another thing. <laughs> Someone tells me they don't have enough money to to spend on a gym membership. Like, guys, outside is a gym. Yeah, Like go outside. It's really easy to buy some some bands, or or if you don't have time, how much time do you spend watching TV? Well, or things and like think that? of
0: the average streaming service now costs as much of a gym membership, and so yeah. you're you're making a choice there. You're voting with your dollar with your minute. That's where all the decisions are made. It's not these huge care plans, these big surgeries these you know week long retreats in the alps or whatever it's it's really it's the daily decisions that we make that really add up um so when it comes to things like nutrition or supplementation or things like that how do you know where to focus your efforts what what kind of things can you test for or look for to make those decisions a lot of us just do kind of a blind we throw everything at the wall and whatever sticks is what we stick with right or we go with what we've been told for our entire lives. yes and that, mean, that's so much lately, my story been on instagram
1: or on on social media you go and you see all these different research papers people coming out with these different theories or or thoughts ideas opinions about different things this research this research paper does this says this this research paper says this the hard thing about Listening to one person reading one research paper is it doesn't give you the whole picture. Also, did you read that research paper? Do you know what it actually says? Do you know who paid for it? Do you know what the, what the agenda of the person that paid for it was? Because that plays, that plays wildly into it.
0: A lot of times we'll throw papers out. I've, I read about 518 papers while I was writing my book. Um, Dr. Cutler is finishing a master's program right now that requires a lot of intensive, finished. Finished. Uh, yes, finished. Yes. So that's right. So, but that required a ton of research, uh, heavy studies. And so we're able to really quickly cut to the heart of that and, and eliminate some of the, the bogus studies that are paid for by Kraft, you know, mac and cheese that tells you that's the healthiest thing you should ever eat. Um, And I wish I was exaggerating on stuff like that, but that's actually the state of research in our country today. So if you have a research paper like that and you're really curious, if if it really contradicts some of the foundational principles that you've been taught or you believe, send it our way. um, Send it to this address right here. We will look at that and we'd love to respond to it. And most of the time we can help you eliminate that offhand for bias, you know, um, right away. But yeah, what were we we're visiting about? Um, just research oh, and evidence-based. What, what, what things can we,
1: yeah. What evidence-based things can we kind of tell yeah. for bio-individuality? And we've talked about that a little bit before. Yeah. That is what is specific to your body? Because not every diet is going to be the same for every single person. There's so much that comes down to And people talk about, well, my genetics is just to be like this. Well, let's find out what genetically you should be eating. Yeah. And so we do a lot of genetic testing, finding a good genetic test. And um, so genetic testing, that's going to be able to tell me, Kate, okay, Where did your ancestors come from and how did they eat? What things is your body specifically going to be respond to well? And what things is it not going to respond to well? Because I'll tell you what, some people respond amazingly to things like keto. Other people really don't do well on keto. Some people have really good responses to high carb diets. I'm one of those people. I function very well off of carbs. However, if I'm not, that's just because I'm active. It's very much a lifestyle thing. It's associated with my very active lifestyle. And so for me and for my goals, it's you kind of have to eat with that. And you you look at your nutrition in that way. And those genetic tests are really going to tell you a lot about that. Um, I mean, another testing is is like blood, blood panels. And this is kind of him and I were talking about this earlier is when you get a, when you get a, a lab panel that tests all your, all these different blood markers and you look at the the normal values, those normal values are based off of the general person that walks in off the street that they see as healthy or without disease, the majority of America is not very healthy. So those lab, those, those values, those normal values, they're, they vary widely, especially between people, because for you to be well, your lab, your lab values may be completely different than someone else who is well. And so being able to kind of, and they're, they're a good general rule. But we need to look, okay, am I super high on this? Am I towards the high end? Am I towards the low end? Is that really the problem
0: or is it a symptom? Yeah. And a lot of times when when we're medicating something from a medical standpoint, when they're adjusting your meds basically based on those principles, they're just looking how close to normal average everyday Americans can I get this person chemically? And you may be very different. And that's why you can go in and have every test in the book run and they don't find anything. And I'm just – I'm, I, we don't have any diagnosis. It's very frustrating. But you still feel like you, garbage. You feel like garbage because they're looking at the wrong things and they're saying, oh, this is normal, this is normal, this is normal. Well, not normal for you. Normal for the average everyday American. And maybe you're used to functioning differently and healthier, hopefully, um, than that. So, yeah, lab tests, blood work. All of those things have their place, but keep in mind that these are all just a small part of your health. We have to look at everything and we have to see what other things could change or what are what's in our control to change naturally from the outside in in order to get those types of uh types of re- responses that we want so um we had a great question this week from somebody that was asking about um, hair tissue mineral analysis, HTMA. This is where they take a piece of your hair, a follicle, or a a stretch of hair, and they'll analyze that for toxicity and uh, heavy metals. Because those take so long to work themselves out of our body, um, our body puts some of that in the hair analysis. And so you look at that. And it's great for detecting um, drug usage or um, certain types of toxins, heavy metals, things like arsenic and things like that. But keep in mind that what that test is for, a lot of times people will extrapolate a lot of other things that aren't evidence-based, that aren't research-based. Be very careful that the person that's claiming to give you these results, that you take it with a grain of salt and you understand that there's still a margin of error on these things that could throw your entire health strategy off if you just hang your hat on that one test result.
1: Okay. And I think another big thing, being able to understand how you feel and understanding what things and kind of tracking and figure out that's why elimination diet i know um one of my mentors growing up he he did the elimination diet um and that's what he did with a lot of his patients and it's it's good because what you do is you base this off of you base it off of how you feel it's not based off of like lab factors and 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 lab markers that you see in your blood it's based on how you feel because we cut it down to a bunch of foods that are just very non-inflammatory and then you slowly add things back in and you see how you feel, how's your body responding, are you holding on to weight, are you bloated, These different things and slowly you start to add things in and then if you have a response to it or if you feel like garbage, take it out, add something else in and that kind of helps us and it, it can be a long process and so there's different things we can do and that's why I like the genetic testing because it can at least tell me, it can, it can make us, so we don't have to go through such a long process but there still is going to be some elimination. If you really want to treat autoimmune diseases, or if you're just feeling like absolute garbage and you want to treat it with with nutrition, you have to understand for a little bit, there is going to be the necessity for a more strict diet. But our whole goal behind utilizing a diet like that, a diet strategy like that, is so that we can get your daily diet to a sustainable thing where you don't feel like you're missing out on anything, but you feel good. And that's one thing that you'll notice is a lot of these people, they come off these diets and they're just like, well, as soon as I got off the diet, I started feeling like garbage. Of course you did. Of course you felt like garbage. It's because the things that you were eating before were garbage. Yeah. And we cut it down so that your body was able to function well. We need to add things back in slowly. And there are some things that like, hey, you should not be eating this period. And you're like, oh, well, I love this. I don't care. You could, If you're okay feeling like absolute garbage, eat it. If you're okay just not functioning well and having headaches and all these different symptoms, from this, this thing that you put in your body, like, okay, that's your choice,
0: but at least, you know, what's causing it now. Yeah. So, so what, um, what about things like HRV, VO2 max, bioimpedance scans, what are your thoughts on some of those things? BMI, the body mass index. Oh yeah. So for kind of- And I mean,
1: going back to the, the kind of our original topic of what is wellness? How can you tell whether you're well or not? How do you tell whether you're healthy? Um, you're full of health, able to, to actually do these things. So, bioelectrical evidence, which is, I mean, in-body scans, stuff like that. When, when you do that, it sends an electrical impulse and the fat will slow it down. Okay? There's like a 5 to 10% margin of error on those machines. Sometimes it could, be, it could be more. But it very much depends on, okay, how much have you eaten that day? Uh, what's your hydration level at? Um, how cold are your feet? In high school, um, being a wrestler, we had the hydration test. And I can't remember where we read it, but we read that if your feet are cold, when you stand on the the biological impedance, that it will give you a higher body fat, which allowed us to lose more weight. And so we did that. We walked around in the snow and I think it increased mine by 2%. And that's the hard thing is also, if you're going to, if you're going to utilize one of those, which it can be a good tool, you need to make sure that every time you test, you are hydrated. It is the same time of the day. You typically I'd recommend not to eat anything before you do it. And just make sure you can be as close to same environment, same you as possible.
0: Room temperature and room all that. Te- yeah, yeah,
1: same thing every time you do it. Because that's going to keep it and, and actually make it a little bit more accurate in terms of being able to track it. So that could make a big difference. BMI-wise, I feel like BMI is very antiquated. It can be utilized for some things. But... I mean, then you have people who have a lot of lean muscle mass and it's just based off of, it's based off of mass. It's based off what your weight is, what's your weight, what's your height. Yeah. And so it's going to show someone who may have a lot of muscle, this person is going to be in the obese category. And so it's not for the typical person, for your, your typical American, it can be useful, but for people who are healthy, for athletes, for,
0: for people who take care of their bodies, it's not always the best if you really want to get a good measure of that i recommend getting a dexa scan usually costs about six hundred dollars um and that will scan your body tell you exactly and and it is helpful for telling if you have you know osteoporosis osteopenia bone mass density which none of you are going to have because you're all doing your strength and resistance training through your whole life so naturally of course Um, but it can show you how much visceral fat do you have um, and and kind of target things there Do that at one point just to get a baseline reading. And then as things change over time or you go through uh, any sort of a workout regimen or anything like that, you have something to tie it back to. So a lot of patients also want to know about imaging, um, things like x-rays, MRIs, CT scans, you know, ultrasounds, things like that that help us visualize structures. It's important, again, those are very good technologies. They have very good purpose. But just because you see something on an MRI um, you'll see a, a two millimeter disc bulge on one person and they are on the floor in so much pain and you'll have a nine millimeter bulge on somebody else and oh, yeah. they're walking around like it's nothing. I mean, to you have some
1: person who just you look at their spine on, on imaging and you're just like, oh my gosh, how are you? How are you doing anything? Yeah. And then you have someone else who their body just was not able to adapt to that or just
0: has not stabilized there. And so they are in so much pain, right? So just because you see it on a test result or on an x-ray or an image, I wish that was the end point in this whole diagnostic journey, but it's just one little clue that gets you a little bit closer to truth. Um, it's, It's very much the scientific method where we're testing hypotheses and we're saying, okay, if we have this going on based on an orthopedic test or a primary complaint, what are some tests that we can run to kind of confirm this theory that this is what's going on with you? And if that's the case, what can we do to treat that to make sure that we are starting to reverse that process? Um, there's, there's a couple different things that weigh in there. Um, two concepts that are called specificity and um, sensitivity. Sensitivity. And I, I'm trying to say this without getting myself in trouble with the powers that be, but there recently there's been a test that they invented for a very popular virus that's been going around. Um, and it's very specific in that it tests for the antigens, the, the markers of a particular disease-causing agent. So it's very specific because it only looks for that one type of thing. However, they tried to make it really sensitive to find very small amounts of that thing. And so they processed it a different way. And that boosted the sensitivity of that test. You can have a test that's very sensitive, or you can have one that's very specific, but you can't have one that has both and still get a reliable answer. Because if you have high levels of both, you have a very high probability that you have a false positive. And nobody likes that because we chase the wrong thing for the longest time. And we need to just kind of unwind all that. So keep in mind, there's always a trade-off here. You can have something that's very good at detecting one thing, but you can't make it super sensitive for detecting that one thing without running the risk of getting false positives. And so, and also you can have something that is very sensitive. It it detects very small levels of something, but it won't tell you exactly what's wrong. Uh, One example might be like CRP, which is the C-reactive protein. That's how your body is handling inflammation. If that's in your body, we can detect small levels of inflammation throughout your blood, and, and, but we can't tell exactly what's causing that. We just know that there's inflammation there. And that's, that's one thing I wanted to address, and we talked about
1: this earlier, is and when you, when you read lab panels, and we did all this in school in, in lab dye and uh, physical diagnosis, stuff like that. But when you look at uh, like a blood panel and you see all these inflammatory markers that are elevated, and your very first thought is, oh, well, they have all this inflammation. I wanna know more about you. Are you are you an athlete? Are you someone who's resistance training? Because right now, i tell you on the resistance training program that I'm doing, I and mean, I'm sore a lot because I'm I'm constantly damaging my body. So of course I'm gonna have all this, this damage going on. I'm gonna have all this in, these inflammatory markers because that's my body's natural process to try and heal. If you're sedentary though, and you have all these inflammatory process, that can tell me, okay, hey, there's something else going on in here that I need to try and figure out what it is because there's something causing that to be yeah. to be abnormal but if you're an athlete if you're someone who's very active um i mean everybody's an athlete but if you're if you're someone who's uh, participating in activities to where you are causing muscle damage naturally you're going to have higher inflammatory levels
0: yeah And we talk about inflammation a lot of bringing that down. You can have no inflammation tomorrow if you just got on a huge steroid dose, you know, and just shut down every inflammation. So inflammation has its purpose. It is a good thing in some instances if you're trying to repair muscles or build muscles. Uh, I always think of it like a construction crew in a city. And inflammation is a, just a collection of specialized cells that are there to take away dead tissue, to lay down new structures, to build things up, repair muscles when they're damaged. So some of that inflammation is necessary because you want the construction tr- crew to come in and out of the job site. However, you don't want them to set up camp there. We've all been living in cities where there's construction on our major highways for I-15, years. Utah. right? I-15 Utah. I-35 in Dallas. There you go. <laughs> so Dallas, however, you know, if it was a small town and nothing was happening there, sleepy town you get really frustrated with chronic inflammation or construction that never ended but in a city that's growing that's thriving and it's building bigger infrastructure and arguably you know dallas is one of those types of places you would expect some inflammation to be a part of it but you want the job site you want the types of cells to enter and leave that area as they're supposed to There's a lot of signaling and chemical processes that go down at the uh, at the microscopic level. So you don't want the bulldozers to just roll in and park there because you're trying to build a building there or a wall or a overpass or something. So we need
1: need to clear it out. And I mean, also you got to think about those little workers, those inflammatory cells that are, that are really doing a lot of the building and and getting things set the way they're supposed to, to to repair these tissues and cause that adaptation because that's what they're doing is they're causing adaptation. Um, We, we don't want to be distracting them and Mm -hmm. keeping them on the job. And so there's so many things that we put into our body that, they pretty much inhibit them from doing their job. They it's running a car into a in a construction site which is going to lay them back a couple of days. Yeah. It's making them go without sleep or having a crazy storm. Flip. I'll I'll say the sleep, not having good sleep. That's the equivalent of a natural disaster. That's a tornado that just came through. You didn't sleep at all last <laughs> night. Tornado just came through.
0: They have to clean up some of the wreckage now. Okay. Okay. Um I'm, we have these cells in our lungs um that are in charge of going around and just clearing up viruses and bacteria and things like that. Um, when a lot of the economy shut down and people were confined to their houses, most of them were so afraid of getting their immune systems exposed to a threat. They just stayed in quarantine for so long and they consumed alcohol and sugar. And and those two things shut down those cells in their purpose faster than anything because they're they're primed to look for germs and, and bacteria and, and viruses. And they eat those unless you start feeding them sugar. And then for eight to 10 hours after that, they have all the sugar they need. They're not going to do their job. Dr. Cutler says that's that's like a bunch of like really gorgeous women walking onto a construction zone, and you expect those workers to keep doing their thing? Like yeah. that's not going to no happen. Way. They're <laughs> going to start talking. They're going to start talking to all those pretty ladies. Exactly. It's, so, it's what happens. So don't give the construction workers sugar if you want them to finish their job and get off the job site, because um, there's a lot better ways to to manage inflammation and things like that. Also, if you chronically have to use steroids um topical analgesics you know like deep blue or or a muscle rub or something like that if you're icing if you're heating if you're doing all those things we're not addressing the root cause of that inflammation that's something that we really need to look bigger and and deeper into to figure out when
1: he says icing and heating he isn't talking specifically about sauna or or cold bath yes those are completely separate those have their place and their adaptations that they cause um he's talking about like local I see in heating. Like yeah. If you're constantly having to heat a muscle, something like that. Oh, I always have a spasm here. If you always have a spasm somewhere, there is something else going on. We need to address that.
0: Yeah. could be electrolyte imbalance. could be a chiropractic subluxation. could be a muscle strain that just hasn't, that's been re-injured. Something is going on there, but we need to look. Yeah, that's a people patterning people, issue. That's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people, they did a study um, pretty recently um, of asking people, how do you know if you're healthy or not? And the overwhelming response from people was, if I look good or if I feel good, I must be healthy. And if you only base your health off of those two things, keep in mind that the two biggest killers are heart disease and cancer. And cancer, you can feel great right up into the moment that that tumor is spreading, metastasizing across your body. And you would miss all the indicators that you had that until it's too late. And then heart disease, you know, people look great when they're having a heart attack sometimes because it's all based on something else that's going on that we might be under the surface and away from our triggers there. So I think the best way to look at it is, can I move well? What are are some things, you know, I had a patient today that told me, I, I went upstairs in my house for the first time in, you know, months, because that had been hurting her, stopping her from doing that. Now, climbing the stairs in your house should be a normal activity of daily living. I would do that a million times a day. But if you are, if you have something that is stopping you from doing what you should be doing, that's an indicator that you need to address that issue. Don't just put it off and don't medicate it. If you have to take medication to stay alive or to be doing something, there's something underlying that's going on there. Nobody should be on medication for the rest of their life. Yeah, I think that's I it. mean, it kind of comes down to the... We've we've said it a couple for uh, a couple times before in the other
1: episodes. Like, look good, move well, feel even better. Mm-hmm. I think move well is so important because if you cannot function and do the things that you need to for your life, like if you can't bend over and tie your toes without, I mean, tie your shoes without pain, that's a problem. Or if you if you can't breathe when you bend over and tie your shoes, that's a problem. There, you should be able to breathe in positions like that because how are you going to be able to brace your spine? That's why we have so many people who I bent over wrong and then I herniated a disc or I sneezed and I twisted and I I slept wrong. You slept wrong. What do you mean you slept wrong? I, I tilted my head weird. If, if you if you exercise well and you really address the movement patterns and just move, period, put yourself through positions, load these different positions and, and really prep yourself for for life. And that's what comes down to. Injuries happen when you put a load on the body that it's not prepared for. When you put a load on the structure that it's not prepared for, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. You overdid your body's structural integrity. You over over uh, stressed it.
0: Yeah, but I think a lot of people come in and they they want to tell me about that one straw that they put on that one camel's back that just broke everything. And yes. I'm like, well, what about all the other straws before that? Let's talk <laughs> Absolutely. about that. And it's funny. I promise this is relevant, but I've always wondered, like. When policemen pull, and I should call my brother, and, and say, when you pull somebody over, I bet you get the same excuses all the time about why somebody's speeding, right? I would just love to hear some of the most hilarious like police excuses for why they do things. Uh, in the same token, as a chiropractor, I stand at my table, uh, and we're adjusting you know, dozens of people every day, and I hear the same stories over and over and over, and it's things like that. It's uh, And everybody wants to tell me what they did and why they think it hurt them. And I, this is a little soapbox. Just go with me on the side tangent nice. here. <laughs> when you tell me what is going on and why you think it happened and what you think I need to do to fix it, you're cementing, you're solidifying to your brain that you're broken. And when I come in to get adjusted by Dr. Cutler, I say next to nothing. You know, he, he knows when I need an adjustment just because of how I am. But when I lay down, I don't tell him where I'm hurting and why and what I think I was doing in the gym the day before to do that. Because frankly, I don't want to manifest that by speaking it. I don't want my brain to hard code that into speech and believe it to the point that I now have that inside of me. So I lay down, I trust him to check it, clear out that interference. And I don't even want to talk about what's making me sick or hurt, because I don't want to give it that oxygen to, to grow. And in the same token, I wish patients would not come in and tell me, "Well, I think I slept wrong." Or, "No, I was backing out of my drive. I was turning. Was I turning left? Or I was, no, I was turning right? No, I was. I was going left. And this part of my neck is now hurting." They're training themselves to believe that pattern, yeah. and and when we get into that that whole process right there, we're not addressing the the underlying issue of, of what caused it. But it's that straw that broke the camel's back. And that's what I was, I was trying to get to. Is I, I think it was. I think it's, it's not one, guy. it's not one, you didn't have one night of sleep that your neck just went out. Yeah. You didn't have one bad workout. It was a series of patterns that your body got into for so long. It's a series of not moving your neck the right way during the day. And so, yeah, when you Holding go to sleep, any
1: specific which is a yeah. bad patterning. It means you're yeah. activating one muscle, uh, a muscle group a lot more than the other side or something like that. And your you're carrying a advanced.
0: purse on one shoulder. You're holding a baby on one hip. Your body is so locked up on that side. It wasn't just that you bent down wrong and one thing happened. And if you yeah. never do that thing again, you're never going to have that problem again. Cause I wish it was that one magic bullet, but it just doesn't work that way.
1: Yeah. And it would be a lot easier if it, if it did.
0: Yeah. Then I just say, Hey, well, don't bend down that way ever again. And you won't ever have to come in here again. Yeah. We'll just, we'll one, one time we get adjusted, you'll be fine,
1: but you got to look at, it took your body a while to get yeah. to where it is. And a lot of times that's, that's what sucks about when we have someone come in who comes in and they're in just a ton of pain so It's it took your body a long time to get here. And we want to get, we want to get you out of this pain, out of this as fast as possible but it's going to take us a little bit of time because like your body is adapted to, to the place that you're in because it is, and we can help take some of those straws off the camel's back. But when you don't allow us to take all of the straw off to deload the camel, (laughs) then, then we're going to, we're still going to have the problem. The problem's going to come back and you're going to be like, Hey, what the heck you adjusted me once. Why am I not, why am I not better? Yeah. Because we weren't able to actually clear it off. We, we were able to clear some of it off. But you load it back
0: on by what you're doing because you're doing the same thing. And your body is telling you this if you will just listen to it. The reason you have tight muscles is your body's trying to protect itself from whatever you're doing that's hurting it over and over. The reason you have this runaway inflammation is your body's telling you stop feeding me or putting me in these environments where I have to constantly be fighting a toxin or a germ or a sugar that is not good for you. So listen to it there. Check in with yourself. Some of the healthiest people are those that are just comfortable sitting with themselves, checking in with their body. They're so in tune that as soon as something feels a little bit off, they don't just wait day after day, week after week until something crashes. They course correct really quickly in really small, minute ways. And and I've, I've learned that from, from Dr. Cutler here. He knows if he eats one thing that he shouldn't have, I, I hear about it immediately. <laughs> and, Oh yeah. I think that's when I, I, I wish everybody had that much self-awareness. I, I talked to a lot of people where I was like, well, you
1: probably never eat brownies, you probably never eat cookies, you probably never eat sweets. I have, I have a super sweet tooth. <laughs> super sweet tooth. And and yeah, I eat brownies and cookies like usually it's like on like a Sunday or something when my family gets together and there there's treats there. And I feel terrible afterwards. And it's not that I don't, that I restrict myself from having them most of the time. It's that I know I feel terrible when I eat them. So I, I try not to eat them. It's, I feel terrible when I do this. And I kind of wanted to jump back to where you're talking about manifestation. I think so many of us focus on these self-help books that talk about manifestations, where you write your manifestations on the, on your, on your, your, um, mirror or whatever, or something. yeah, whatever you're going to write it. And you, you go through your manifestations daily. I mean, you manifest yourself, manifest health. Don't manifest pain and, and, dysfunction in your body, manifest that. But when you come in to see us, when you come in and you have these problems, manifest that you're gonna get better. There's things you have to do to help yourself with that manifestation. Yeah. There's other aspects to it. You can say, I want to be rich as much as you want, but if you're not doing anything about it, you're never gonna get there.
0: Yeah. And and that works too. I I had a patient one time, she was adamant about she had a diagnosis. I think it was RA, and and she refused to wor- use the word my arthritis or my RA because she didn't want to own it. She said, "This is the RA that is currently going through my body, or that I'm trying to get rid of." And she was so specific with her language, with how she approached that disease, that you know it, it really shaped how she how she looked at it. So don't talk about my arthritis or you know my infection or whatever that is because that that's not you. And and we so much self-identify with what's wrong with us that sometimes the biggest part of giving up sickness is embracing that we are supposed to be well, healthy beings. You know, we're supposed to be... It's not emotional. normal to hurt when you're old. Yeah.
1: It's not normal to hurt ever. Yeah. I mean, besides if you're you're sore, like soreness is fine.
0: Yeah. Like
1: that's, gym sore. That's part of it. That's part of being human. That's yeah, part Uh-oh. of being human. You're going to be sore. There are going to mm-hmm. be aspects. You're going to do things. And in your daily life, it's going to make you sore. That's okay. You're going to have a little bit of pain. It's okay to be uncomfortable. But if you're always... I mean, if you wake up every day, you're just like, oh my gosh, I today is just so miserable. My migraines, so my, my migraines, my fibromyalgia. All these my... different things. It's like, guys, come on. <laughs> you are a being that is supposed to be healthy. You're supposed to be well. You're supposed to feel good.
0: Let's get you there. And, and it's not some mystical formula that, you know the planets have to line just right for your health to work we there's certain natural laws that it's the law of the harvest what you what you sow that's what you're going to reap and if you're sowing a bad diet a sedentary lifestyle um and all these other factors and then you come to me confused about why things hurt or are breaking down or or you know having these chronic issues or autoimmune diseases and things like that well, guess what? That's There's not a whole lot I can do to reverse that natural physiology. That's that's beyond my pay grade. Yeah. But if you want to learn what you need to change, if you want to learn that about yourself or about human beings in general and just learn how to be a healthy human, talk to somebody who's a healthy human and ask them what they're doing and what you need to change because a lot of us didn't learn that at home. We We didn't get that from our family. Uh, We're definitely not getting that at school or from any of the corporate media because there's a ton of money. There's trillions of dollars. And I'm not even exaggerating on that. Trillions of dollars are being spent keeping you in the dark about your health and about how your food is affecting this and how your immune system actually works because there's so much money to be made by keeping you sick and dependent on those things. And that's what our mission is. Our passion is getting people liberated from that model that is not working anymore.
1: Yeah. Working yourself out of a job. Yep. It's the goal. Get everybody so, so well, so healthy that you no longer have a job and that you have to do something else. That's that's what life should be about. That's what a functional society should be. It should be people be people solving problems, creating solutions to work themselves out of a job. So now they have
0: to create a new solution. Yep.
1: And it's that's how we progress.
0: Good. So. And I I see people, they, the, the current model is designed to get us sicker and sicker and weaker and more pain and more issues until the end. And the last 10, 15 years of life, you're not able to go outside. You're not you're not living your best life. There's a concept we have in, in geriatrics and um, the study of aging that talks about the compression of mortality. It's kind of morbid to think of, but I want to be like, mowing my lawn the day that I drop dead or climbing a mountain, you know, when I just go because my body is working right up in the time until it doesn't. I want to compress that window to minutes if I can, or seconds, you know, if I'm doing something that I love and staying active there, I want to go quick. I don't want it to be this long, slow, lingering medication field, surgery riddled, you know, decline into old age. And it doesn't have to be that way. We are so conditioned in this culture to believe that that's normal and to put our older folks into these homes where we just go and visit them for the last 10 years of their life and and that's not what I want for for me or my family at all and it's very possible you look at other countries you know we, uh, the asian countries always get these huge um blue zone you know attention for for how healthy their old, elderly people are and and that can be the normal natural human condition if we do the work up front if we if we keep the laws leading up to that so real quick, just to recap, let's talk about it. What is health? How do I know if I'm healthy? Biggest red flag is if you are taking daily medications, if you're relying on a surgery or an external device for your health, I don't care if it's something as small as a posture strap, that's really not health. You're not activating those muscles. You're not um, doing the things that can make you sustainably, independently healthy. That's the biggest red flag there. Um, what do we talk about next? And you move well. Can you perform all the functions you need to to have a functional life? Yep. Um, if you can't do something, that's an indicator we've got to address yeah. a problem.
1: Can you lift something from the ground onto the shelf? Can you lift up your child? Can you walk out to the car? Can you look in the back seat without having a problem? Um, can you lift your hands above your head? Can you
0: scratch your back? Can yeah. you wash yourself in the shower? Uh, can you stay asleep through the night without getting up to urinate all the time? You know, those How are your your indicators. Are you able to sleep? Yep.
1: Um, I mean, what is your body demonstrating when it comes to you being sick or
0: something like that. Yeah. That was the next place we went is symptoms. Symptoms are a lot more important than we realize and a lot less important than we sometimes give them credit for because your body, that's how it communicates with you is in symptoms. And it's going to start with small symptoms. And if you blow past those, the symptoms are going to get louder and bigger and affect more of your life and more of your time. And they're usually more expensive and detrimental to solve because now your body is so used to screaming at you that way. That's the only way it can get you to respond. So start unwinding that symptom tree, but don't base every decision off of how, what your symptoms are, because we need to focus on the cause. Not Being tough out. is
1: great, but there's time, there's a time and a place to be tough when it comes to your health and things like this, these, this, this pain, these, these little symptoms that you're getting, let's address them when they start. Yeah. All right. Don't let it get worse to the point where you're like, I can no longer handle this. I used to, when it first happened, I was like a one, It's just a little there, but it was there. Address it then. Don't let it get to where you're. You're an eight, and you're like, oh my gosh, eight or nine. I need morphine, like <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. Like,
0: is you know, that what they gave the guy in Saving Private Ryan? Yes. Figured like, cannonball wound. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. so when you get to that point, know that that the time for toughness is where you understand that this symptom is something you have to go through to get to health. Enduring symptoms without an end in sight or a plan to address it—that's not toughness. That's just. That's just pointless. Yes. Yeah, that's pain just for pain's sake. And you want to get pain to get out of pain. And sometimes that pain to get out of pain requires a lot more mental toughness than what we want. And we, the answer is not to throw more drugs on top of it, not to shut down those symptoms. Because the quicker you can express those symptoms and get through that symptom cloud, the better you're going to be on the other side. You always have to heal twice when you take medication, once from the medicine itself and second time from whatever made you sick to begin with. There's no virtue in creating a problem for yourself and then enduring the consequences of that and expecting me to applaud you for toughness because it didn't have to be that way to begin with. Life is hard enough without this going on. Yes. So, so don't create obstacles for your body. That you then expect people to take care of you and applaud you for going through, because there's there's a ton of other ways to use that energy.
1: So I think today we talked a lot more about physical wellness as opposed to, like That's right. we talked a little bit. And I'm, the thing is, physical wellness will affect all other aspects of wellness. Physical wellness is such an important part of of it, and physical well being and, and that that physical health. It's going to affect your psychological health, just like psychological will affect your physical. Yep. They all affect each other, and we're kind of more focused on that physical aspect.
0: And we did talk a little bit about the manifestation, the yes, whole mind the stuff, mental. and there's definite – there is an effect to the placebo effect or the nocebo effect. And What your, bo- what your brain thinks, that's how your b- body perceives reality, yeah. and we'll talk about that in future episodes maybe if that's something that interests you guys, but definitely – be aware that the sh- the state of your body determines the shape of your soul and the shape of the soul determines the shape of the body. That was Aristotle. I think that, that threw that gem out there. Yeah. So definitely they're interrelated. It's not normal. It's not normal to be
1: in pain. Yeah. It's not normal to have all these symptoms all the time. Yeah. If you constantly are sick, if you constantly have symptoms, there's something bigger going on and you need to get it figured out.
0: Yeah. Don't claim those symptoms and expect your body to get over them because if that's your identity that's your identity and you're going to hang on to those things so let's get it fixed let's get some answers talk to your doctors talk to your chiropractor come visit with us send us an email here or an instagram message um, here and you're in utah valley
1: or southern uh salt lake salt lake valley we'd love to see you we'll put the link below um schedule an appointment we'd love to come meet with you talk about whatever it is that you need to you need to address but we really want to get you healthy. I don't just want to pop your back. I want to actually figure out what's going on and how I can help you in that way. Yep. And let's do that today. As soon as we can.
0: Yep. There's a lot of ways that we can help. I think medical medical system in this country right now, customer service, patient care is on life support at the moment. We we have such an algorithm, we're just cranking sick people through as fast as we can. That's not our philosophy. That's not how we get a healthier world. So we want to help you with that. But thanks for staying tuned, guys. We appreciate your uh, viewership and your comments. Uh, Look forward to joining on the next episode of Hey Doc.